Well, hey, good morning and welcome to Northridge Church, man. We're honored and pumped that you're here this morning. Whether you're joining us from Greece or Webster or Henrietta or Aronicourt or you're joining us live online, thanks for being here this morning. And man, you picked a great Sunday to be here. We call it Open Baptism. It's a huge celebration in the life of our church of people making a decision to go public that, man, I'm following Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready and I came prepared to celebrate with everybody who makes that decision, planned or not planned today. So you picked a good Sunday to be here at Northridge Church. And, you know, the last three weeks, we've kind of been having this dialogue, this conversation about how do I in life know in the choices I make, the decisions I make, the things I do, the way I think, the way I act, how can I know as a Christ follower that I'm pleasing God? I mean, I think many of us want to know, hey, is my life right now in the center of God's will? And so we've been talking about how we discover God's will through his word, through his people, and through his spirit. But here's what I believe today. I believe that there are a lot of people making a really difficult decision today. I actually think in the greater Rochester area, all around here, there are people today who are trying to decide which way to go, which choice to pick. And here's what it's about. They're trying to figure out, you're trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure out, man, should I believe in the bills today or not? Like, do they got a shot? And, and you know, we said in this series, we were trying to make what seems confusing clear. And I think with a God's will, we kind of know for the last decade which way he's gone. <laughs> I'm just trying to shepherd you from pain today, okay? <laughs> I love you guys. But let's just be honest, go Bills, right? Come on, come on, we're believing. People are gonna get baptized and the Bills are gonna win today, right, amen? All right, all right, now that we got that out of the way, we're gonna get to truth now, okay? <laughs> but you know, we've been having this conversation, and here's what we're gonna do as we close down this series, right? A series on God's will, discovering it, and we're gonna take God's will and we're gonna concentrate it all the way down to one single word. If you got your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is where we're going to be. I'd encourage you to grab your Bible and turn there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to look at the first six verses this morning. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one of the Northridge Bibles that we provide. It's going to be on page 957. Grab your app and, and take notes. You can grab your program as well. And here in 1 Thessalonians, the apostle Paul is the author here, and he's writing to a church in Thessalonica. And we pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 4. He says this, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, so he's speaking to believers here. He says, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. And so here the apostle Paul kind of tees up the conversation that we've been having for the last three weeks. How do I know and how can I live where I know, I'm confident, I'm, I'm secure that my life, the things I'm choosing in life, the choices and decisions I'm making are pleasing to God. And the Apostle Paul tees up this conversation that we're going to close out today. How do I live every day, every month, every year where I know, man, I'm pleasing God with my choices and my decisions? And so he continues. He says, now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus Christ to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. And here it comes, verse 3. He says, it is God's 
will. So, I mean, for a second, we should just pause there and be like, I should probably highlight this in my Bible. I should probably bold it. I should probably remember this. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. So hear the word of God when it comes to something that sometimes we're confused about. The Bible makes it really clear. It boldly states, you want to know God's will? It's that you should be sanctified. Now we get the clarity, but then we get a little bit confused because some of you are going to ask like, okay, what does it mean to be sanctified? Like that's a churchy word that we, some people might not know what it means, but sanctification is just simply this ongoing process in your life and in my life of becoming more like Christ. And I love that word, ongoing, because it's, it's something that whether you've been following Jesus for three days or 40 years, it's a process that you never actually complete in this world and in this life. Because for anybody today, you should be continuing the process. If I've been following Jesus for 27 years of my life, I still got work and, and an improvement to be made to become more like Jesus because the aim, the target is perfection. And I don't know about you, but I'm never going to get there. And so for all of us, God's will for my life and for your life every single day is that I would take a step in the direction towards Jesus. That my life would slowly, over the course of however long God gives me, that I would look at the back of my life and say, man, I look more like Jesus today than I did yesterday. Man, a year from now, wow, look how much God has changed me. That's what sanctification is, and that's what the Bible says is God's will for your life. John the Baptist, the guy who paved the way for Jesus, he wasn't talking about sanctification, but I think he gives a really cool definition of it in John chapter 3. He simply says this, he, meaning Jesus, must become greater and I must become less. So let me ask you a question for your life today. In your decision making, who's greater in your life, you or Jesus? Because the reality is, I think for many of us, our goal is for Jesus to be greater, but for many of us, we think about ourselves way more than we do Jesus. And John the Baptist says, sanctification happens when you choose in your life to remove you, to get rid of you, not your personality, not who God made you, but your sinful flesh to remove that and allow God some space to change you, to mold you, to make you into the right person, right? Because the whole goal of this series isn't for you to make the right decision, it's to become the right person. And that is what sanctification is. It's the journey God takes us all on to become a godly person. And so God's will for our life is sanctification. But my question is, is how does that happen? How does sanctification, what, what initiates it? And here's where I want to narrow God's will down to one word. Because I think we need to understand God's will in one word is simply in the word obedience. Obedience. I can know today that I'm in God's will if I just choose to obey what he says. See, here's the thing about God's will. I think what we often like to do is we like to make it seem confusing because we actually know what God says, we just don't like what he says. You see, I think we use that as a crutch to lean on. Man, I just don't know what God wants me to do. And the truth is, you actually do know what God wants you to do. You just don't like what he says, and you just don't want to obey what he says. And so we're like, oh, I'm just not sure, God. We use it as an excuse not to live in obedience. And when we don't live in obedience, sanctification just doesn't happen. And this isn't a newsflash for anybody, right? Like you go to a church, man, you better hope you go to a church that tells you to obey God, right? 
to listen to what he's telling you. But let's break this down. Let's dig a little bit deeper into that word obedience, to obey. What is obedience at its core, at its roots? What does it mean to obey? I'm going to break it down into two things for you. I think the first thing is obedience is a decision. Obedience is a choice. It's interesting. We've been talking about making decisions in life. And the first one you have to make is the de- you have to decide to obey. You see, it's a decision. It's something that you personally choose in your life. And it requires your will and your volition. It's, it's you saying, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to do what Jesus says, whether I like it or not, whether I agree with him or not, whether I understand what he's doing or not, whether I see the big picture, whether I have all the details, I've made a decision to follow him. And here, here's what's so fascinating. As many of us, we stress about the decisions, the circumstantial decisions in life, right? I've got decisions to make. I want to know what God wants to do. But here's the reality for all of us, is before we ever get to any decision that we deal with in life based on our circumstances or our situations, if we truly want to follow God and be in God's will, before we get into any of the, the weeds of, and details of life, we have to step back and we have to make a decision. Because every decision we make leads to a decision. And here's the decision as Christ followers we have to make. We have to choose that no matter what life brings us, no matter what God throws at us, no matter what temptation we face, no matter what happens in my job, no matter what happens in my dating relationships, before I make any decision in life, I have to choose as a Christ follower what God says goes, and I'm okay with that. That's the first decision that we have to make, and that's what obedience is. It's before you get into the battle lines, on the front lines, you say, you know what, God, I'll follow you. And that's a choice that I've made out of my own will and volition. So the first thing, obedience is a decision, but secondly, obedience is a decision to do the next right thing. You know what's hard about making decisions in life is if we just had to deal with one decision at a time, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? But life bombards us with decisions in every area of our life. We've got decisions to make with our business and our finances. We've got decisions to make with our children or our future, our college, our dating, our marriage. Like Life doesn't just say, hey, let me, ca- let me put in your calendar all the decisions you have to make, and let me make them in a, in a place of your life where you can make them one at a time. It's just not how life works. Wouldn't that be nice if you could just look at one decision at a time? It'd be so nice, but no, our lives are bombarded with decisions on a daily basis. But here's what God calls us to do, to make a choice to obey him with the next thing that life throws at us, to do the next thing. And, and, and here's the thing is it's not always confusing for us. We might like to see him it is, but it's not, usually not mysterious what God wants. The Bible's full of black and white commands in scripture that really makes it easy for us to choose what we have to do. But here's what I would challenge you to do when you got a decision to make, take one at a time. Don't get lost in all the decisions you have to make, but take one decision at a time and choose, make a decision to do the next right thing. You see, when it comes to the will of God, I think Christ followers today need to make a statement. And that statement is just simply, you know what? It doesn't matter what life brings my way. I've already made the decision to follow Jesus. And what he says goes, whether I like it or not, whether I agree with it, whether I understand it, I've made the choice today. And I believe that's a decision we all have to make. In fact, James speaks on this. He talks about obedience and he hits it home. Look what he says in James chapter one. He says, do not merely listen 
to the word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. He says obedience is important. It's the priority. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, that's the Bible, that gives freedom. We think the Bible constricts us, but the Bible actually gives freedom to us and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing what it says by obeying it they will be blessed in what they do. And here James, he puts the priority not on knowing God, not on understanding God, but actually out of those truths, obeying and acting on what God says. See, James says, hey man, you can know all about God, you can understand all about God, and if it doesn't change your actions and your decisions, it's really useless. You deceive yourselves. James says, obey what God says. Because God's will is found in obedience because obedience leads to sanctification. And then the apostle Paul says, hey, if you wanna be sanctified, here's what happens. If you choose to obey God, here's how it affects my life and your life. He says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse three, he says that you should avoid sexual immorality. I mean, that sounds nice, probably in our culture today, to stay away from a lot of things people get trapped into, adultery, bad choices in dating. He says that when you obey God, you'll avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying is when you are truly sanctified, if you want to know if you're sanctified today or being sanctified, you'll realize that you are being set apart. God is working in you and it's changing how you look and how you act and people are actually starting to notice. Do you want to know what your, one of your greatest testimonies is when it comes to following Jesus? It's not what you say with your mouth, it's what you say with your life. That will actually tell people that Jesus is real more than any evidence you give from the Bible. It's what you give them with your life. And that's why sanctification is so important because God knew that people in our world who are far from him would look at his followers and say, there's something different about them and I desire that and I need that. And it affects our lives, it separates us, it sets us apart. But here's the thing about obedience, let's dig even a little bit deeper. If, if obedience is really God's will for my life and your life and it starts with the decision to do the next right thing, here's what I don't think we understand as Christ followers is how obedience pans out in our life, the process of obedience from when I first meet Jesus as a new believer all the way to my life as I become a mature believer. And I believe God has a process of how obedience should look in our life and I think we find it in Philippians chapter two, it says this, for it is God who works in you and me to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So again, it's talking about how God works in us, how he sanctifies us. And there's two key words in this passage. There, there's to will and to act. So let's start with to act, because I think that's where obedience starts in all of our lives. When we meet Jesus and we surrender our lives to Jesus, I believe our obedience to God starts out of a duty. It starts out of, I have to do this because I recognize who God is, he's my authority, and what he gave up for me. I realize that he sacrificed his one and only son to pay a penalty that I couldn't pay, 
and I realize how gracious he is, how compassionate he is, how loving he is, and so out of duty, out of obligation, I just say, okay, God, whatever you say goes. It's almost like our armed forces. When a commanding officer says to, to one of his soldiers, do this, it's simply, yes, sir, whatever you say, commanding officer. And really, that's where obedience starts in our lives when we first get to know God. Is it's, it's a duty. I, I just do it because God is my authority, because of what he gave up for me. So my answer is, yes, sir, God, whatever you say. You know, I think about parenting when it comes to obedience. Because... Every parent knows one of the greatest battles you will face in life is teaching your children to obey what you say. The struggle is real. That's, that's one of the hardest things you're going to instill in your children to say yes when you tell them to do something. And something we do in our house, we have this phrase. We say it a lot. You might have heard it before from other pastors in our church because we all use it. We, we, I say this to my children all the time when I tell them to do something. The first line of the phrase is, hey, Joel, Malachi, Ruby, Kate, you obey right away and you obey all the way. And that is their duty because God has given me the authority and Ashley the authority as mom and dad. And, and when I say something to our children, I expect them to do what I say because I'm in that position of authority. And so you obey right away immediately and you do what I say all the way. You know, kids, well, why, Daddy? Well, you want to know why? Because I say so. Because I am the authority figure. That's duty. And that's where a lot of our journey of obedience begins. Uh, it's my duty because of what Jesus did for me and God's positional authority that I just say, okay, Dad. But here's what I know about God in the Bible is God doesn't want to leave you there because that will only last so long. Like my kids will only obey me so long as a, an authoritative dictator. Like yeah, that will get me started, but if that's where I stay, eventually my kids will resent me. And guess what? If you leave your obedience at a duty, you'll begin to resent God. You'll begin to be like, I don't agree with that, God. Forget what you say, I'll do what I want. It starts there, but as you begin to obey, and as you begin to understand God, and as you begin to get to know who he is and what he wants in your life, and you see his provision, and you see his love, and you see his kindness and his grace, what starts as a duty, as you obey, begins to transition into a desire. You see, what, what happens here is it's, it starts as, okay, God, I'll do what you say, but then it transitions into, okay, Daddy, I want to please you. And as Christians, man, as mature believers, your desire, not you have to, but you get to obey God. You see the jump we made? Hey, right here, it's commanding officer. Yes, sir, God. But right here, it's my heavenly father who has what's best, my best interest in mind. And so I don't have to obey him anymore. I look forward to obeying him. I get to obey him. And that's the will. You see, we tell our children all the time, you obey me right away and you obey me all the way, but then the third line, you obey me the happy way. And that's what is a desire or a delight that my kids no longer have to do what I say. They enjoy getting to do what I say because they realize that God, that daddy protects them. He cares for them. And I'm telling you, there's nothing better as a parent or God looking down on, uh, at us as children when he can get down and, and I can tell Malachi and I can tell Ruby Kate and I can tell my children, man, daddy's so proud of you. 
Because not only did you do what I said, but you did it with the right heart. It was like you desired to please your father, not you had to do it. And that's where God wants to take us. He wants to take all of us from this duty where I just, I gotta do what God says. To man, I want and I desire and I delight in pleasing my heavenly father. And when you get to that place, you can have confidence, assurance that you're in the will of God. And here's the amazing part. If God's will is obedience for my life and your life, here's the exciting part about today. Is some of you, you don't have to wait till tomorrow to apply this to your life. You don't even have to wait until this service is over. For some of you today, you're gonna get a chance to live right in the center of God's will today through a step of obedience. It's called baptism. Because the Bible is really clear when it comes to baptism. If you know Christ as your personal savior and you haven't been baptized, this is gonna sound harsh, but it's the truth. You're actually right now living outside the center of God's will. Because we know clearly the next step after you follow Jesus is to get baptized. And here's what we've done in the church in our culture today is we've taken baptism and we've made it almost a choice. We've almost made it a feeling, right? I'll get baptized when I'm ready. I'll get baptized when I feel like I'm convinced of, of it's the right thing to do. I'll get baptized when I don't have to shoot a video or, or when I feel comfortable doing it. But what's interesting, if you go all the way back to the first century church where the church was getting started, you know what you would rarely find, if ever find? A Christian, someone who claimed Jesus Christ and wasn't baptized. You would almost never, it was like this oxymoron, it was this walking contradiction that you would claim Jesus and not have been baptized. You would never find that because when somebody got saved, the, one of the very first things they did was find some water and say, I want the world to know that today I'm choosing Jesus and I've decided to follow him. I'm gonna obey what he says. In fact, let me show you a, a little bit of an example of this in Acts chapter eight. We see this Ethiopian eunuch, and God is drawing him to himself through the book of Isaiah. He doesn't fully understand what it says, and so God sends a man named Philip to him, and here's what it says in the story. It says, then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from the scripture, he preached Jesus to him. So he tells him of the gospel. Verse 36, as they went along the road, on the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, water. And look at this question. He says, what prevents me from being baptized? And I would ask you that question this morning. You're here today and you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior and you haven't been baptized. What's stopping you? What excuse have you been holding on for so long? You're not ready. You're not convinced. You, you just don't feel it. What, what excuse have you been holding on? Because guess what? Look, water <laughs> at our campuses. Look, there's water. If you're watching online, you need to get here because I'm not sure you can see water. <laughs> We've removed every excuse that you can make. What's preventing you from living in obedience to God right in the center of his will? What would stop you today? There's only, there really should only be one thing. Because he asked the question, what would, what would stop me? Verse 37, it says this, Philip said to this Ethiopian eunuch, if you believe with all your heart, you may. You see, the only prerequisite to baptism is that you believe in Jesus Christ. 
And so some of you today, you were baptized when you were a baby, but the truth is, is that baptism is a decision you make after you meet Jesus, after you surrender to Jesus. And so Philip says, hey, the only thing that should prevent you from getting baptized is if you haven't made the choice to follow Jesus Christ with your whole heart. And so if you're here today and you've made that decision and you haven't been baptized or you were baptized as a baby and you haven't been baptized after that moment, today, let me tell you, is your day. It's your day to step in obedience, to make a decision before I even give you the chance to do, to say, you know what, God, I'm gonna follow you and I'm gonna obey you. And it might feel weird. I might be afraid to stand up in a public crowd, but you know what? I've decided and I'm going for it today because I wanna live and I wanna be sanctified by you. So the story finishes, it says this, and he answered and he said, this is the Ethiopian eunuch, he says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop and both of them went down in the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he was baptized. That was right after he got saved. The moment after he got saved. Some of you have been saved for 10 years and you haven't been baptized. Today's your day. Some of you have been waiting for a sign. God, tell me what to do. Let me tell you, today is your sign. It's time to go. So here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna give some instructions. And then I'm gonna count from three to two to one. And if you wanna get baptized today, we're gonna make it happen. We've planned for you. We've removed every excuse you have. And so let me give you some instructions. If you're at Webster, if you're at Webster or Arondequoit, when I count to three and I go down to one and you want to get baptized, all you got to do is stand and walk to the back and follow the exits. There will people be people to guide you. If you're at Greece or you're at Henrietta, you're going to stand, you're going to walk forward and go to your exit and be fo follow the people who are guiding you. If you're watching online, listen to me, don't stop. If you're local, drive to one of our campuses. Go online, northridgerochester.com, find the campus that's closest to to you and you drive and you get your butt here and we'll baptize you. Right? Come on. If you're here today and you've been baptized and you've lived in obedience, when I count down to three, we're going we're gonna to scream and we're going to yell like the Bills are beating the Patriots, okay? <laughs> we're going to cheer and we're going to celebrate these people living in obedience to God because there's nothing that gets better than that. And so are you guys ready? Are we ready? All right. What would stop you from being baptized? Nothing today. So I'm going to count down to three. And if that's you, you stand and you go and we're going to cheer. Here we go. Three, two, one. You go. Come on. Stand up. Let's go. You stand up. You go. Come on. Let's go. You get up. You go. Come on. Let nothing stop you. Here we go. Come on. You'll cheer louder when the Bills score a touchdown. Come on. Woo. Let's go. Man, I want you to know if you're here today and you're a believer and you've been baptized and you've lived in obedience to God, can I tell you, you might not know this, but you played a role in those people having the confidence to get up and follow in the center of God's will. So thank you. Thank you for living on mission. Thank you for loving people because when we do that, that's what happens. But I also want you to recognize of how hard of a decision that is. To stand up in the midst of hundreds of people is a really hard thing to do. 
And I, I, I would think there's probably someone here right now at one of our campuses, maybe watching online, who, who for some reason you wanted to do it, but you stayed paralyzed in your seat because you were afraid, you were nervous. And can I just tell you, that's okay. It really is okay, I get it. There's been moments in my life where I knew clearly what God wanted me to do and my fear kept me frozen from acting in obedience. And in those moments in life where I didn't do what God wanted me to do, I feel like God gave me a verse. And it's one of my favorite Bible verses in all of scripture. It's a moment in a guy's life named Joshua and he's getting ready to take on the leadership of an entire nation. And not only that, that's enough pressure, but he's following one of the greatest leaders ever in the history of Israel named Moses. And so talk about pressure, talk about moments of decision that he's gonna need God's guidance. And look what God says to Joshua as he steps into this. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. You don't have to be afraid. You don't need to be discouraged. Do you wanna know why? because I'll be there every step of the way. So maybe you were here today and your fear kept you frozen in your seat. The good news is you still have a chance to be courageous, to be strong and to take that step of obedience. We're gonna play some stories of people's lives who have been changed by the gospel. You're gonna get to see them. Our bands are gonna come and sing some songs and at any moment during our service, if you conquer that fear and you stand and you go for it, all you gotta do is go to your exit and we will baptize you today. So just know God's right there with you. He'll walk with you through the journey. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna listen to some stories of two men's lives that were changed by the gospel and today these guys are getting baptized. So let's check out their stories.